Okay, friends, the library is open for reading, but today we have to separate you by gender because that's what Dr. John Gray, author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, wants you to do. So here we go for the men only. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And for the ladies? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. This week on This Was a Thing. Why do you always talk over me? Why don't you get off my back? Why do you always talk over me? Why don't you get off my back? Why do you always talk over me? Why don't you get off my back? Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Yes, and uh, on today's episode, we are looking at the iconic book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Now, this was a thing because if you were a child of the 90s, then not only did your parents and step-parents have this on their bedside table, or maybe they threw it at each other during a fight, it seemed like everywhere you turned, there was this phrase that sort of explained every problem in a straight relationship. Relationship. Don't worry, my fellow queer friends. We have one as well called Tops are from Mars, Bottoms are from Uranus. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> what, was, what was this book and how did its author, Dr. John Gray, end up being one of the most admired and sketchy leaders of the self-help movement? Well, today we have Mars obviously represented in Ray, but we needed a Venus represented. And we are so happy today to introduce you to Ray's girlfriend, a brilliant writer on her own right, Miss... Emily Burdett. Hi, Emily. How are you? Hi. Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. Now, I know that you're longtime fan, first time caller. No, is it, what is it? Longtime fan, first time long-time caller? Longtime fan, first time caller. Wonderful. We're so happy that you're here. I'll ask you, I'll start this off with both of you. Have either of you read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or any of its many spinoffs? No. No. Okay. Do you happen to know if your parents or step-parents ever read it or mentioned it while you were growing up? I feel like I saw it uh, in like the realm. Like I, I recognize it, and then not being in a bookstore. So I think maybe, yeah. Oh, I think okay. My mom might have had it, but it was just because it was like popular. Not even that she read it. I think it was just you have that distant memory. Yeah. Emily? No, I feel like it was referenced in Clueless, and that's about the only Ooh. time I ever heard about okay, it. Okay, that's right. Yes, yes. Okay, and it was also perfect. I love it. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna give you uh, a, a little history, if I can, about uh, psychology because that's pretty much the foundation of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus by Dr. John Gray. Now, therapy is a relatively new concept in the grand scheme of things. We know that before the 1800s and Freud and all those people that thought that therapy was pretty much like a humor gone awry, and the best cure for it was either to burn you at the stake or, or, or do something about your moderate to severe bile and phlegm. And a doctor by the name of Franz Mesmer. Is that where the term mesmerizing comes from? Very good. Very good. Really? Yes. Franz Mesmer used hypnotherapy. 
And we now know hip- hypnotherapy is me- mesmerizing. Or Wow. Yeah, yeah, very good, right? That oh, my gosh. In the 1800s comes Dr. Freud, paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> Hello. And he, and he brought us so many things like a cigar is really a penis. Everyone wants to sleep with their mother. But seeing the human mind as two parts, the conscious and the unconscious. Now, I will be more than happy to say this. I have gone to therapy. Have you gone to therapy? Uh, yes. Have you gone to therapy? A few times. A few times. I find it to be an absolutely wonderful thing, although in all my therapy sessions, no one ever mentioned a cigar being like a penis to me. Dr. Freud <laughs> once observed his colleague, Joseph Brewer, talk a patient through his problems, and the act of communication about the issue seemed to help the patient. Freud then encouraged talk therapy, and that sort of is what we all now do today. So when we go to therapy, we're really using what Dr. Freud had created originally. Which why don't is you just talk, talk about it? Great. Why don't, you, why don't you just talk about it? Then the 1900s brought us a slew of new forms of therapy, like behaviorism. Have you ever heard that term mentioned before? Oh, yeah, I've been about told behaviorism all the time. <laughs> environmental conditioning. I think maybe you're being told in different... Mm. Do you know what self-actualization is in therapy self-actualization what is that thinking about your inner problems yes realizing what you're what what you're doing wrong the function of the therapist in self-actualization therapy is that the therapist just listens and doesn't judge so you are realizing through the process of talking about it what the issue or the solution might be. So it's a therapist without a law degree. Pretty much. Got it. But as we remember, there was a stigma about therapy back at this time. So you never admitted you went until it became vogue in metro areas in the (laughs) 60s and 70s. If you've ever seen a Woody Allen movie, they're all in analysis. But couples counseling was something different because if couples had issues, there was no therapy for them. They had to either keep it to themselves or get advice from a priest who had never been married. Eventually, there was a need for having couples counseling. And the reason that it started is one of the most shocking of all, and this is where this whole episode takes a turn. Couples counseling is because of eugenics. Enter a gentleman by the name of Paul Papineau. In the 1920s, Papineau went from studying plants to studying humans and felt that a superior race had to take over and that the depression was forcing people to stop having kids as people were fucking miserable. Now, if the marriage was happy, then they'd fuck, then they'd reproduce beautiful babies <laughs> i'm 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 bob pompano you want to fucking get better <laughs> huh you want to make babies you gotta fuck how'd you find that radio ad and of course to be specific beautiful white babies is what mr pompano well, wanted yeah. so let's teach them how to have a happy marriage so in 1932 there were only three marriage counseling centers in the united states but by 1968 there were 1800 licensed marriage counselors in california alone wow the other therapists were like this is kind of weird because it's about eugenics and it's also you're telling people to ignore their emotions so slowly a new form of marriage counseling emerged as a way of examining psychological factors within a relationship also helping if you remember dr joyce brothers or dr ruth westheimer who in a post-feminist world they brought counseling out into the open but what if you couldn't find time for counseling what if your therapist wasn't doing it for you don't worry a book is going to come for you And that's Dr. John Gray, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And doctor, folks, is a term that we're using loosely on today's (laughs) episode. Let me tell you a little about Dr. John Gray. John Gray grew up in the 1950s, and he came from a very spiritual household. But he found his passion studying in India with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi for nine years. And then he realized that being a celibate monk was probably not the best way to pick up women. And he noticed he had trouble communicating with the ladies. Not a lot of common ground unless she also had a bowl haircut. Now, while all of this was going 
on. John's brother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and medication wasn't helping. So John decided to study psychology to see if he could help. And also because he was living without women for nine years. Once again, John's a little rusty on the single scene, (laughs) but he did end up. Uh, eventually marrying a woman, a fellow self-help guru. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, boy. Now, Dr. John had his own practice, and he noticed a few things, mostly that women would come in to complain to him about their husbands, saying that the husbands don't listen, but just offer solutions. And he realized as a therapist, he did the same thing. He talked, he wouldn't listen. So he began asking questions of his female clients and noticed positive changes in their demeanor. But he wasn't their husband. They were only going to be happy in the session, not when they went home. How to get the husbands to change? Well, he needs to look no further than himself. And this is a quote from Dr. John Gray. He goes, 15 years ago, I prayed to God. Is there something I could teach that wouldn't take 40 hours to get results that would literally help the quality of life for the people who came? And things got expedited because a month later, his wife left him for another man. And John Gray said he was devastated by both the failure of his marriage and his career as a relationship guru. He needed to find a way to get out to the masses a little bit more. He would rent out lecture halls and ballrooms in hotels. And remember, those were pretty big back then because there's no social media. There's no internet. There's yeah. just a holiday in Word a Pacoima. That's And that's it. So he begins getting people to come to these lectures. He claims over 25,000. I'd like to see the receipts. It's a big ballroom. <laughs> yeah, but eventually, it was at the Hyatt. And eventually, people start to realize, whether he intended to or not, that uh, this idea of playing into, a, into gender stereotypes at a time when women were advocating their strength and men were being encouraged to show their emotions is probably going to be counterintuitive to what the rest of the world wants, but don't underestimate Dr. John Gray. People began to protest outside his lectures, saying he was a misogynist. (laughs) And of course, this is not a great way to start off a lecture series, so he needed a way to calm down the very agitated audience who had to pass through uh, angry people and protesters. Um, He had just seen the movie (gasps) E.T., And remembered that when he started his lecture and he said to a woman, he goes, you're always trying to fix your husbands, but what if he's from another planet? And one drunk woman shouted, so where's my husband from? (laughs) And remembering E.T. in space, he said, Mars. Oh. And everyone laughed. And that's where the title comes from. Thank you, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Thank you, Steven. Now, John decided it was time to codify what he was teaching in these lessons. And in 1991, he wrote the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. 1992, he got it published and nobody read it. But being with Maharishi for so long, John learned a very great skill. Tight marketing. Seriously, he said the Maharishi knew how to like not only like keep focus and meditate, but was like a branding genius. <laughs> Maharishi was in Mike Love episode, but like he's the one who told Mike Love like it's okay to have earthly possessions and all this stuff. Yes, like yes. Ma- he drove around in a Rolls Royce. Like yeah, he was he he knew how to make some money. John picks up on this obviously, yeah. and he's going to start to do it. So John's a notorious self promoter, and he wormed his way into articles and interviews, but nothing was sticking. Then he got the call. Oprah wanted him. Uh, Of course. Oh, my God. He got the Oprah bump. And nothing. Uh, Nothing. But then there was the great Phil Donahue. If you remember Donahue, Phil Hartman's best impression, I think. I I was just thinking about it last night. The Donahue show, this is according to John Gray, the Donahue show is like, hey, come on to the show. We'd love to talk about the book. And when he gets there, he's in the green room and he's finding out that the whole episode is going to be a hit piece on the book. So they brought on a whole bunch of experts and psychologists to like just denounce him and denounce the book. But afterwards, 25,000 more books sold. 
Oh, Because wow. people wanted to see what was in this book. Mm-hmm. Then another 25,000 sold until it became the number one bestseller. And some judges in divorce cases wouldn't let people get divorced until they both had read Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Soon everyone was buying a copy and John knew he had a big old hit on his hands. So what does the book say? Now, I read the book for today. I actually read the book from cover to cover, start to finish. I don't know how anyone can get through the first few pages of this book. I don't want to be biased. Let me say this right from the beginning. If you were listening to this show and this book has helped you and amazing, that's fantastic, that's great, that's wonderful, more power to you. This is how the book opens, and I was kind of already like, I feel uncomfortable. A week after our daughter Lauren was born, my wife Bonnie and I were completely exhausted. Each night, Lauren kept waking us. Bonnie had been torn in the delivery and was taking painkillers. Already, I'm like... Torn! What an intro. I was like, all you had to say was it was a rough labor. What what I get from these first two sentences uh, (laughs) is basically translation, the women in my life are pains in the ass. (laughs) I was my own editor. Bonnie's tired. (laughs) Lorna can't nap. And uh, she was taking painkillers. She could barely walk. Now, after five (laughs) days of staying at home at help, I went back to work. (laughs) She seemed to be getting better. (laughs) Like... Not my problem. Uh, well, I went. Well, she can I, walk it out. She can walk <laughs> She's it out. Fine. Well, I was uh, away. She ran out of pain pills, and instead of calling me at the office, she asked one of my brothers who was visiting <laughs> to purchase more. My brother, however, did not return with the pills. Consequently, she spent the whole day in pain taking care of a newborn. <laughs> Where did your brother go? Your brother go? <laughs> So consequently, she spent the whole day in pain taking care of a newborn. (laughs) I had no idea that her day had been so awful. So he's just telling us how shitty of a husband he is. That's right. That's all this opening is. I had no idea that her day had been so awful. When I returned home, she was very upset, (laughs) you think. (laughs) Your fucking brother. (laughs) Again. So she says to him, I've been in pain all day. I ran out of pills. I've been stranded in bed and nobody cares. I said defensively, why didn't you call me? (laughs) She said, I asked your brother, but he forgot. I've been waiting for him to return all day. What am I supposed to do? I can barely walk. I feel so deserted. At this point, I exploded. My fuse (laughs) was also very short that day. I was angry that she hadn't called me. I was furious that she was blaming me when I didn't even know she was in pain. After exchanging a few harsh words, I headed for the door. I was tired, irritable, and I had heard enough. We had both reached our limits. Bonnie said, stop. Please don't leave. This is what I need you the most. I'm in pain. I haven't slept in days. Please listen to me. I stopped for a moment to listen. She said, John Gray, you're a fair weather friend. I've never called any of my partners by their full name. (laughs) As long as I'm sweet, loving Bonnie, you're here for me. But as soon as I'm not, you walk right out that door. Then she paused and her eyes filled up with tears as she realized she had married a monkey. (laughs) As her tone shifted, she said, right now I'm in pain. I have nothing to give. This is what I need you the most. Please come over here and hold me. You don't have to say anything. I just need to feel your arms around me. Please don't go. I walked over and silently held her. She wept in my arms. After a few minutes, she thanked me for not leaving. She told me that she just needed to feel me holding her. That moment, I started to realize the meaning of love, unconditional love. I had always thought of myself as a loving person, but she was right. I had been a fair weather friend. 
As long as she was happy and nice, I loved back. But if she was unhappy or upset, I would feel blamed, then argue or distance myself. So once again, so when he what he realized was that in his marriage, she needed warmth and he would retreat in tough situations. If they got to a common ground where he would be there for her and she would give him space, then they would be happy. If both created a space to be different from one another, then it would work. And I will say they were together until she passed away many, many years later. So he actually kept this marriage. Now, he does say the book is not for all people and he does encourage (laughs) therapy individual and couples, which is great. But here's the basic premise of the book. Now, this is mind-blowing. Are you ready? Men and women are different. Mm -hmm. And when they don't listen to each other, there can be problems. So, always listen. I don't know. It seems a little extreme. Let me break it down more for you, Emily. Listen. Listen, Emily. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know what's crazy to me? Sorry, really quick. Just the fact that this book came out in 1991 and it took this long for like there to be like a book, done, like the realization. For a man to ask a woman, hey, how are you? <laughs> yeah, what's like- going on with you? <laughs> are you okay? Yeah. It took till the 90s Nin- yeah. for someone to be like, what if we asked them? Yeah. What if, oh. wait, oh, they want to be listened to? And then the book essentially went viral for its time it for being like, we got to check this out. It what? sounds I crazy. Believe, I don't believe this craziness. <laughs> I didn't even realize she could talk. (laughs) (laughs) Do you smell that? I'm sorry. It was was that double beef and cheddar. No, the smell of love in the air. I'm pretty sure that's double beef and cheddar, buddy. Will you stop? It's February, which means that it's Valentine's month. That's right. I said month. And any healthy relationship celebrates Valentine's Day for the entire month. And what's the best gift to give that loved one? How about some exclusive access? Now that's sexy. Sorry, I had something in my throat. I am talking Patreon access here, folks. You can tell your love that you got them the old Lucy level. Yeah, that's right. For only $5 a month, you can gain access to so much exclusive content. It's not even funny. Easy. The content is funny. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, it's the amount of of funny content you get isn't funny. That's right, funny content for a sexy Valentine's Day. I got you this Patreon access for Valentine's Day. I said I wanted chocolate. Oh boy. Now, the both of you are in a relationship, yes, so yes. yes we're that... still, we're figuring Toge- it out. Together, oh, together, yes, great. Yeah. Now, how long have you both been together? Shy of three? Yeah. Three years? Three years, shy of three years, amazing. What was your origin story? We dated in high school. Oh! And then many years later, reconnected. Mm-hmm. Where did you reconnect? Snapchat. Snapchat. Boop, boop, boop. This is adorable. Mm-hmm. It's now, so Emily, cute. We know what Ray does. He collects Funko Pops and has this podcast. And Star Wars Black Series. And very good. Tell the listeners a little bit about you and what you do. Oh, that. Oh, I was not expecting that sort of That's, question. No, just That's a, little, a little bit about what you do. Who are you? Um, I'm so. Hey, hey, honey, honey, honey. Don't get to. The book says I got to ask you questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, We're I, listening. I cook We're and, listening. and I bake and I walk my dog. I have two dogs. You do. I have two beautiful boys. Schnauzers. Schnauzers. Named? Bucky and Negan. And Emily's also a brilliant writer. I write. I dabble in writing. Comes from a long line of writing royalty. In, in... A little bit. Yeah. There, there's a little bit of a family business. That's that, very exciting. You know, the real business tries to reject us from, but we keep clawing <laughs> ourselves back in. So the both of you in a relationship, I would love to get your feedback feedback 
on Mr. Dr. Gray's points, if I if I may. Thank you, okay? doctor. So I'm going to go over what the chapters are, and I'm going to tell you what the main parts are in the chapter. And I just want to tell you to tell me, do you agree or disagree? Now, they're only looking at it as men and women in a relationship together, not men and women independently. So once again, if you're gay, transgender, this book does not apply to you. <laughs> Don't worry. You can sit this one out, kids. Okay. So chapter one is about sci-fi, and it says men and women have different values. Do you agree with that statement? Men and women have different values. When it comes to sci-fi? <laughs> no, the chapter's <laughs> about... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know my worth. Is that what you mean? That you value certain things. Oh. Like, what do you value out of someone? Trust? Honesty, humor, like what do you value? We mean us in our relationship, not uh, like women or what I think women, women, Venus. I'm sorry. No, do you think that's an accurate statement? If I were to say to you Got that it. men and women have different values from one another, probably. I mean, but I feel like we, I want like a good person, an honest person, you know? So you value honesty. Honesty, yeah. I feel okay. like that's. So that's a big thing for a guy. I mean, or I don't for know you. Necessarily for all guys. And then. That's what makes us hard. I'm like, I... yeah, right. So <laughs> she's not honest. That's the problem. I, I lie understand all the time. Okay, tell me if you think that the statement is true or false in in dealing with problems. Men offer solutions. Women offer unsolicited advice. No, I offer more unsolicited advice than she ever would. But I also feel like it often cut co- like it's in a solution way. No, because I understand like offer. Like, uh, we'll just do this instead of just actually like, that's what that means. Yes, like, yes. Instead of like, I think you, I think you specifically do give advice, solicited or unsolicited, but I think the just like fixing it thing yes. of like, we'll just blah, blah, like you have a problem with Sharon, tell her to fuck off kind of yes, a thing. Yes, like yes. it is the, I think yeah. is generally a man thing. Got it. I would agree with. Okay. But I don't think you're as much like Ah. This, if that's okay. helpful. Yes, this is helpful. <laughs> I've broken the mold. Men invalidate feelings. Women give direction. So if Emily comes to you, Ray, and says, I feel sad, you go, oh, you shouldn't feel it that way. Look at all the great things you have. That's invalidating the feeling. Is it in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> before he's had his coffee. <laughs> I, mean, what's like, I have uh, no feelings. We should do a, a, a coffee question. <laughs> like, before coffee, after coffee. Yeah. So is that is that true? Men invalidate feeling feelings and women give direction. I mean, I like to think that I validate her feelings, but... Do you think men in general, though, invalidate general. feelings? I mean, I feel like nowadays... I mean, maybe back in 1991, I could see this being truthful. Yeah. I feel like there's been a big, like, kind of shift in, like, people having self-realization mm-hmm. more than this book ever... Sure. I'd say it's almost even more of a generational thing because I've seen yeah, it in both... Totally. Even as an example... My both like my parents, yeah. not even necessarily to me, but maybe each other or to us kids at different times of like having that, we'll just suck it up, yeah. just blah, blah, blah. So I think that specifically invalidating feelings is more generational than like men Gender. versus, yeah. And I'm so, it's so interesting that you said generational because I think that's why this book is so successful at this time because in most of like the 80s and stuff, Everyone was being taught, or the, like the, the the idea was, men should be more open with their feelings, and and that it was absolutely a, fine to have like women in leadership positions or women who didn't want to have marriage and kids and all that stuff. But this is also the time when like that early '90s conservatism is rising, where they're like, no, 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 men need to be stoic. Women don't have a job. Go back to the kitchen. Be a housewife. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think like this book came in like just at the right time Mm -hmm. because it's in that like 
balancing world. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I, I think generational is a great way of putting it. Another one of his, men are quiet, women talk. So if you have a problem, Ray, you shut off. Yeah. You do. And Emily, if you have a problem, you like to talk through it. No. So that doesn't apply to you. No. Do you think that applies to- I think to... I'm quieter than he is. Mm. So for your relationship, this is this is a moot point. Yeah. This is, okay. I think we're both quiet people. Men need to be needed. Women need to be cherished. I agree with that. Yeah. Women need to be cherished. Yeah. Okay. Men have a resistance to giving love. Women have a resistance to being loved. Yeah. In general, as men, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Dr. Gray, doing pretty well here for, for in, in He's doing round great. One. Chapter two. This is the basic premise. Men offer solutions. Women seek to improve. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. A woman's sense of self is defined through her feelings and the quality of her relationships. And solely that? That's what he's saying. No. Men are good. Goal oriented, women are relationship oriented. I'm going to disagree <laughs> with that. Right? Yeah, I disagree with that. Okay. Chapter right, th- right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chapter three men don't talk, women talk. No. Disagree. Yeah, disagree. Women become emotionally involved in the problems of others. One of the things he's saying is, is like when, when there's a problem, men don't talk and retreat into a cave and isolate. Women, instead of looking at their own problems, like to become involved in the problems of others so that way they're not focusing on their own problems. So women become emotionally involved in the problem. So let me ask you a question, Ray. So Ray, if you're going through a tough time, do you find that you like to isolate? Like, do you go into your cave? Yeah. Okay. And then- Emily, when you're going through a, a problem, do you find instead of retreating, you want to just talk about it right now in that moment, or would you rather retreat? Retreat. You'd rather retreat. Okay. But women become emotionally involved in the problems of others. Do you find that to be? I don't think specifically I do, but I I get okay. that. With a lot of these, this is a, this is hard because mm-hmm. I'm just coming from a point. People are different. Yes. This could be very much a relationship, just general book of like, Hey, everyone's different and everyone's minds are different. I think that the gender of like male, female is so much smaller than if we were honest with ourselves. That there's more in common than there yeah. is separating. Or even just, yeah, like some of the ones he's agreeing with are more on the Venus side. And call me a moron. <laughs> but now do you think that's a gener- is that a generational thing? Maybe. That as time has gone on. Maybe because- okay. Men are allowed to be more open and sensitive in things, and women are more girl bossy. We're mm. in the girl boss era. Hell yeah, bitch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Chapter four is about motivation, and he defines it as need men, cherish women. Don't know what I'm talking about? Here. This is John Gray in one of his speeches, How Men Think and Feel. So, Ray, this is for you. Women, what you don't understand about men is we have billions less neural connectors between thinking and feeling. Men have a difficult time thinking a lot and knowing what they feel. To feel and think is a very difficult thing for men. We have to sort of go, okay, I feel, what was I feeling? Let me check out that feeling. Well, it's changed now. Let me come back over here. Then once we figure out what we're feeling, we have to stop feeling on the left side of our brain, go up to the other part of our brain, right up in the front part, and talk. 
So we have to like figure out what we think about, what we feel, then we talk about it, and it doesn't have a lot of feeling by that point. Okay, so Ray, uh, as a man, do you identify with anything that Dr. Gray has just said? Emily seems to have a very specific answer for you already, Ray. Yeah, why don't you give an answer for me? Yeah, from an outside, do, do you find that's an accurate description of what Ray's process is? I feel like he has to think about not reacting more than he has to think about how to react. Ah, that's true. But your feelings, what about how you feel about Because I think he's a something? very feeling person. So you feel it automatically. I used to be a real quick reactor. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying, this is, this is me in the, uh, me, me trying to retrain myself. So I got to think before. So I, I'm putting the more thought into it than just having the initial reaction now. Chapter five is about speaking different languages. I took two years of Spanish. This is top common complaints that are easily misinterpreted. Women say things like, we never go out. <laughs> Men responded like this. That's not true. We went out last week. This sounds like John Gray's like stand up act. He's like, ah, let me women. You know what women say? And then we can we can flip it. Venusians. That's what he calls women when Venusians talk. I'm so tired. I can't do anything. Translated into Martian means I have been doing so much today. I really need a rest before I can do anything more. I'm so lucky to have your support. Would you give me a hug and reassure me that I'm doing a good job and that I deserve a rest? Well, I enjoyed the first part. Wow. I don't know if I need all the rest of that. Yeah. But. Kind, of, kind, of, kind of took a little dark turn there. He also said that women, you should never go into the man's cave. Or you will be burned by the dragon. What is that? His butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so what he's basically what he is saying though it is that like if I'm making this up, if the both of you are having an argument and Ray retreats into his cave, Emily, do not follow into the cave to continue the argument. That is what he is saying. Do you believe? <laughs> no. When you feel stressed, Emily. What is your relaxation activity? Or you feel like emotionally challenged? What is your like relaxation activity? He has one that he he thinks it is. But I'm asking you, like what what is what is yours? Besides smoking weed? No, smoking okay. weed would totally smoking count. Smoking weed no, and wearing a cozy sweatshirt. The, no, that totally Epsom counts. Salt bath. He said that women love to go shopping. <laughs> Now, I am Ray, more of a Venus. I feel like I'm definitely a Venus. I'm more. I'm more Marzin, Marzinian. Marzinian. Oh, I love this. He does say that that can happen. That Ooh. like that you can cross over. A chapter six. True or false? Right. Men need to pull away to get closer. I don't know about that. Emily, do you think men need to pull away to get closer? I don't. That doesn't make any sense. If they think they do, that's stupid. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> that, that seems like it's like a, a man needs to be like, oh, I'm going to retreat so I can Yeah, he so needs an excuse to, to leave so that he can go disappear for a couple yes. days and then come back without being at fault. Here's what he says. Men are like rubber bands. That's actually the name of the chapter. When they pull away, they can stretch only so far before they come springing back. Rubber Whoa. band is the perfect metaphor to understand the male intimacy cycle. The cycle involves getting close, pulling away, and then getting close again. I will say, I feel like that's how you were in the beginning of us dating for a little bit. Okay. There was a little bit of rubber banding. Yeah, but it was one of those big ones that you could put around a big box. He says why men pull away. Men begin to feel their need for autonomy and independence after they have fulfilled their need for intimacy. Automatically, when he begins to pull away, she begins to panic. What she doesn't realize is that when he pulls away and fulfills his need for autonomy, then suddenly he will want to be intimate again. 
a man automatically alternates between needing intimacy and autonomy. Again, I feel like that in a, especially in a long-term relationship, you're go anyone is going to feel like that to an extent at some mm. point, but it's not necessarily you need that in order to feel closer. It just happens. It like, just happens. Have you ever been Ray on the Venusian side of all of this where someone is intimate with you then pulls away and you can't figure out why are they pulling away? I mean, I, I usually had a pretty good idea. But yeah. So, okay. So it's been flipped. Okay. This is chapter seven. Now we're going to move to chapter seven. The chapter is called women are like waves. Summing up, he says a woman's self-esteem rises and falls like a wave. When she hits bottom, it's time for emotional house cleaning. Thoughts on that? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Right? When she hits bottom, emotional housekeeping. Here's emotional house cleaning. This is what this means. When a woman's wave crashes, it's time for emotional cleansing or emotional house cleaning. Without this cleansing or emotional catharsis, a woman slowly loses her ability to love and to grow in love. Through controlled repression of her feelings, her wave nature is obstructed and she gradually becomes unfeeling and passionless over time. (laughs) Apparently, he didn't just want to use the word shrew. (laughs) Some women who avoid dealing with their negative emotions and resist the natural wave motion of their feelings experience premenstrual syndrome. There is a strong correlation between PMS and the inability to cope with negative feelings in a positive way. In some cases, women who have learned successfully to deal with their feelings have felt their PMS symptoms disappear. Okay. All right, doctor. You need to get out of here. I No. So the wave he was describing is PMS. Everything he's describing is PMS. Apparently she's... It's all just PMS. Let her have a week off and leave her alone. Yes. Chapter seven, a men argue for the right to be free. Women argue for the right to be upset. I mean, I'll agree with wanting the right to be upset. And I want her to just get off my goddamn back. (laughs) So yeah, freedom. Here's John Gray talking once again about the differences between men and women and what they use. This is him picking up a woman's purse on stage during a lecture (laughs) and just going through it. So what is in a woman's purse? Every possible thing she could need or what you need. So I reach inside her purse. It's okay. Always ask permission. Don't assume. I reach inside another purse. There's always, women got more purses you can imagine. And she's got all these extra ones in the closet. Open up the purse. This is so Venusian. She's got all these extra credit cards just in case. You hear that? It's change. When we're in a store and the lady says, do you have change? Oxytocin floods into my wife. She goes, yes, I've got it. I've been carrying it around. I'm collecting change. It's 74 cents. I got exactly 70. I know I've got it. I know I've got it. Wait, wait, one more penny. I know I got it somewhere else in here. I'm going to get that other penny. I've got it for you. She's so happy. It's little things make a big difference. See what I'm doing? I got the pennies here. This guy's doing like old Henny Youngman fucking material, but like, I'm a doctor. (laughs) Like this is all Borscht Belt material. Chapter eight, different emotional needs. Assume you want what I want. The secret of empowering a man is never trying to change or improve him. Amen. Look, God made me this way. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm very religious. Is that true, Emily? I think so. I think you just have to find sneaky ways Mm. to subtly manipulate his change, but not let him know that you're changing him. Like, it's time to shape your beard. (laughs) It was time. Good for you, It was time. Chapter nine, avoiding arguments. Arguments can be destructive. Men rarely say, I'm sorry, because on Mars, it means you've done something wrong. Ray has a problem saying, I'm sorry. No. I I think you have the opposite. Says it too much. You say it too much. Sorry. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Chapter 10, 
is called How to Score Points. Get the ball in the basket. Now, he says, though, that men and women have different ways that they keep points. For a woman, regardless of the magnitude, everything is one point. So if Ray said to you, um, I love your hair, that's a point. If Ray bought you a car, that's a point. Everything is even. Everything is even. Men, the points are tiered. Oh, yeah. I agree with this one. Oh, that, that you agree. I don't even know if you even have to like content. If I want to hear the rest, but yeah. oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's it. The, men, the, the, the men's yeah. points are tiered. Oh, yeah. Depending then, on what she does. Yeah. Like a compliment on your hair is like one point, but a car would be 100 points. Oh, yeah. So in his eyes, he's winning. Oh, yes. Yes. This is good. Chapter 11, how to communicate difficult feelings. He says the best way to do it is write love letters to one another. Now, if you're both having trouble in your relationship, do you sit down and talk about it? Do you text one another? I feel like texting. Bitmojis. <laughs> oh, I'm cool with that. I love a bitmoji. But do you find yourself talking about it or is it better like to write it out, text it out, email it out? I feel like I would like that, the whole writing out thing, if there were like also – True story. I don't think we've had any real issues that we've had to like sit and discuss. So this is kind of hard to answer. But I will say because I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, I don't speak well most of the time. And like my thoughts get jumbled and everything. I think it would be very beneficial to kind of like actually like write it out or something or or read it off of a paper and stuff instead of because you get flustered and all those things so i think it would be nice but no i don't chapter 12 how to ask for support and get it oh that's so venusian he says it's it's all in the phrasing so let me ask you do you have any problem looking at each other saying hey i need support right now no yeah you do okay okay great it's not your problem though it's my problem feel that um the other one supports you? Yes. I, she absolutely supports me. Okay, cool. She's my bra. I love that. Bras, bro. So it sounds like that's not, chapter 12, you can skip that. Chapter 13 is about keeping the magic of love alive. And he does it in something called 90-10. 90's our past, 10 is now. Don't know what the hell that means. And neither did the Maharishi when he told it to him. Um, <laughs> now, while a lot of other self-help books like have like resources that you can go contact at the end of their book, in the end of John Gray's book, it's how to book seminars for you and the workplace automatically always self-promoting now the results because of his self-promotion thank you emily thank you ray by the way mm-hmm. uh, and a pretty great title the book became the highest ranked work of nonfiction in the 1990s wow. spending 121 weeks on the bestseller list and selling over 15 million copies and over 40 different languages now gray was no dummy and soon he and his editor had to write more books to keep a franchise going so that's why we have books like why mars and venus collide mars and Venus in the bedroom, Mars and Venus in the workplace, a practical guide for improving communication and getting results at work, and of course, children are from heaven. As soon as the book took off, like I said, he always started to think about the next one. And what was interesting was his editor would fly from New York to San Francisco, drive an hour to John's house, spend three hours in a meeting, then fly back with a new book idea, if not a new book itself. Wow. Then came, of course, the infomercials and the audio tapes. And the seminars, back in the 90s, how much did it cost to bring John Gray to you? $35,000. Holy shit. $35,000. Plus the interviews, the syndicated columns. He did a 1998 Broadway show to sold out houses. And he sold out at the Gershwin, which is one of the biggest houses on Broadway. So good for you, John Gray. There is a Vegas review based on the book. (laughs) And a 2000-2001 TV show that was hosted by... 
Sybil Shepard. Oh, perfect. We're back talking about how men and women use sex. Karen, you think all men are obsessed with sex. Why do you say that? Well, I think if you just have experiences with men, you get to learn that, that that's what's happening. And what experiences um, have you had? Well, throughout my career, I think that if you're a woman, a professional woman, it can't, you can't help it. You're going to have men coming on to you all the time professionally, and unless you want to cause a lot of trouble or do harassment, you have to learn how to handle yourself, not turn the person off, but yet still be flirtatious and sexual and deal with those kind of situations. That's reality, Sybil. So that psychiatrist just said, don't hurt the offender. Emily, would you like to comment on that? Because your jaw is as, as wide open as can be. I want to murder her. Yeah. She is not a psychiatrist. That's what it says. That's insanity. That's what it says she is. And she also said, to, and flirt back, too. Yeah, flirt back. But not in a way that's going to get you in trouble with HR. What's so but terrible about talking before well, you have sex? Exactly. Isn't talking yeah, supposed to be guys? guys I mean, what's so terrible? Well, talking with guys, someone is different than talking with a woman, at them that's or talking what you over do. them. Oh. When you're talking over someone, you make them feel small and important. Uh, make, make them feel like an object, like someone you're just masturbating into. You need to talk with them. Masturbating is wrong? Uh, into another person <laughs> oh, because it makes them disappear. Civil. That's very what I heard. I heard that very, you know, other than growing the fur on your palms. Masturbating is excellent, actually. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's true. It, it actually is uh, one, of the, one of the big differences. Women love to sit around and talk about it before, during, and after. And guys just don't care. Once it's, uh, it's over, it's over. But also, when you ask... Now, Ray, as a man, do you feel that's an accurate statement? Ray is looking so nervous right now. No, I mean... Don't be nervous. I don't know any woman who's wanted to talk about it after. Did you enjoy that? Do you ask that? No. Oh, you think she asked that? I know she did. He said, did you enjoy those 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, folks, who's, who's here? It's Karen Stark. It said she was a psychiatrist. Plus-sized madam Dolores French. <laughs> Radio talk show host Tim Conway Jr. Oh, that's Tim Conway Jr. And psychiatrist Mark Goulston. Yeah. One, of, one, of the reasons, one of the reasons women should let men use them for sex is that men feel pathetic when they resort to masturbation or they resent to hooker. Oh, I don't that's think not that's true. true. I don't think that's true oh, at all. I, don't think, I, I think, think most guys in this audience... The time, it's very healthy. I think most guys in this audience would rather women, masturbate than have sex. Isn't that right? Oh, I love that idea. Spoken as oh, a single right. guy. That's one of most guys would rather masturbate than have sex, right? Is that a correct statement or an incorrect statement? And it doesn't necessarily have to refer to you, but just like the, your other male friends. Would your ma other male friends that you know, would they rather masturbate or actually have sex with a woman? Oh, jeez, I don't know. Emily, for women, do you think a woman would rather have sex with another human being, a man, or masturbation? Masturbation. Ah, interesting. Well, then, yeah, same for guys. Same <laughs> so, for guys. So Tim Conway Jr. Same here has it wrong. <laughs> Would I rather masturbate yeah. than have sex? Oh Christ! Is this, a, is this a, does this air in L.A.? <laughs> do we have to choose my one or the other? Do we have to choose one or the other? No, I don't think no, you do. Not. But I, but I think that, he, he I think just made a stuff. statement that, that yes. men would prefer. Yeah, so I'm it, just yeah. asking. Yes, I think men would prefer that. Yeah. And, and so yeah. you would prefer. So you don't have to yeah. be bothered. Is it because less trouble? Well, because you can get it over with and then go on with your day. Yeah. It's very efficient. You know, one of the things. And of course, there's the podcast, theme vacations, workout routines, clothing lines, YouTube videos, and of course, his and her salad dressing. Paul and Polly Newman. And. 
And of course, there's been criticism of the book centering around a few ideas. One, that the book plays into gender stereotypes that are not accurate and that men and women don't think about relationships in different ways. Of course, there was also the kerfluffle with a woman named Deborah Tannen who made similar observations in her book before John Gray's book, but Gray said he didn't read her book beforehand. Oh, and then in 2003, Dr. John Gray's big reveal. In investigative journalist oh uncovered Dr. John Gray's educational background. John got a bachelor and master's in the science of creative intelligence from the prestigious well, we don't really know. He's just told us what the degree is in. We don't know where the degree is from. We know it's either the Maharishi European Research University, which is unaccredited, or the Maharishi International University in Iowa, which is accredited. We don't know. What? But we know he is Dr. Gray because in 1982, friends, he received an unaccredited PhD from Columbia Pacific University's correspondence course it's like how colonel sanders or colonel tom parker were never in the military but it's like a it's like a term in kentucky that they give to people like and eh, he's a colonel <laughs> and they just were like well, well people aren't gonna ask about it today john has one hundred and nineteen thousand subscribers on youtube and his most recent video which is from a year ago has a hundred thousand views he still does tours with his daughter <gasps> the daughter laura on her website, which is his website, she says, Hi, I'm Lauren, relationship teacher, writer, <laughs> and coach, and I'm John Gray's daughter. I've started Mars Venus Insights my entire life and have used them to build the most remarkable relationship. Now, I can't wait to help you create your ideal love. I would be so uncomfortable talking to my partner about most of this stuff. I cannot imagine talking to my dad about it in front of like 100,000 people. John is also a strong believer in natural solutions for overcoming depression, anxiety, and stress. You don't need any doctor. You don't need any medicine. Just a credit card and $297, because that's how much John is charging now for his lessons. Not bad with inflation. That's true. We'll be right back. This was a thing. This was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Hi, I'm Dr. John Gray, and it's come to my attention that my first book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, excluded the gay community. Well, as gays have money, I'd hate to exclude them, so I wrote a new book for our gay friends and nephews called Tops Are From Mars, Bottoms Are From Venus, and Verses Are From WeHo. This book will help you and your same-sex partner bridge those awkward moments of miscommunication, which can ruin so many relationships. Like when a bottom says, I want you to eat my ass, He's really saying, my father didn't love me. And when a top says, I'm going to eat your ass, he's really saying, I'm going to eat your ass. The tricky language and codes of the gay world were heavily researched by me, Dr. John Gray, or as I'm known on Grinder, Dr. Toilet 92. I explored all sides of the gay world and found so many interesting things like how tops and bottoms receive love. For a top, a sign of affection is when a bottom rides him in front of all of his friends at the Pines Beach House. And for a bottom, a sign of affection is an Uber ride back to the train. Yes, all the things that separates tops and bottoms is covered in this book, and we're offering two books depending on your location. 
the city Mars Venus discusses clubs, bars, and open relationships, while the suburban Mars Venus discusses how to hide pictures of your wife, explaining to your kids why jungle juice is a big boy thing, and how to explain to your coworkers why your nephew lives with you in your one bedroom. So buy Tops Are From Mars, Bottoms Are From Venus, and Verses Are From WeHo at the next Gaga concert. And for the next Tori Amos concert, make sure my lesbian friends pick up Butches Are From Mars, Femmes Are From Venus, and don't buy this book because your relationship won't last longer than it takes to read it. Thank you. Thank you. This was a sketch. So... That is a little history here of what men are from Mars, women are from Venus. What happened to Bonnie? Bonnie passed away. Oh. Uh, but they were together until she died. Okay. So apparently that marriage seemed to work. All right. So good for Bonnie. So the question is, is do you think a book, is there a relationship book for the 2020s? Is that an actual possible thing? Because in this book, he's made a lot of broad generalizations, but some that we seem to have agreed with. So my question is in like today's world, could you have a book like this? I think a podcast probably would be more popular. But but still sort of covering the same. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, because I mean, I feel like there's been a lot more self-reflection going on in human beings. You know, maybe I mean, sure, there's a demographic for this book still. You know what I mean? And I'm sure they could find a publisher with something like this and get people to listen to it. Because it seems like this is the type of thing that a man would be like, look, honey, yeah, I'm working on a relationship. But then, like, you know, it's all, I know, it just seemed like, it just seems like something that would be like, yeah, 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 I'm totally working on it. But all the things are, like, kind of pro-men and, like, yeah, look, let it, let them blow off some steam. And, Emily, what do you think? Do you think a book like this could work today? I don't think so. How come? I feel like... You could try. It would be like a Joe Rogan type book or whatever, like, and still have the gender specific stuff. But like, like I said, when you really break it down, people are just different. Every person is different. Every brain's different and everyone responds with it. So to have like anything that's specifically this is what you do in a relationship is hard because no people are the same. So having like a podcast with different types of people all the time and saying how they work in a relationship or whatever. Yeah. But just to have like two different, it's either a or B black or white for a relationship, I think is insane. Is there anything that couples now in this era need to be aware of? I don't know that it's needed. You don't like the generalizations. I think people in general, maybe I'm generalizing now, but are working on themselves more or being more self-reflective, self-aware, trying to figure out their own issues. And then that will just make a better relationship when you're in a relationship with someone if you're, you understand yourself better. And then ultimately, it's always communication. Do you feel like this book is just trying to create one individual and that one individual is the relationship? Yeah, I feel like that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Do you find the book, and once again, I know that you both haven't read the book and I'm just giving it to you through my my lens. Do you feel that the book is misogynistic in any way or do you feel that the book uh, conforms to negative stereotypes about gender? Yeah, but not even necessarily. It doesn't come off in like such a mansplaining way as I thought it would even yeah. it again just seems more generational like no that's not how it is anymore amazing amazing so do you think that John Gray if he was hip and Lynn did some research he could update this book and people would still find it useful or are the basic principles and ideas of it just pretty much moot at this point I mean the big thing he's saying are men and women are just different from each other and you have to understand that and once you understand that you can be healthy 
Is that all there is to it? I think that there will always be people who think that way. But it should really be taken on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this, then. For people that can't afford therapy or better help or any of that stuff, what should they do when their relationships or marriages are in trouble when they don't have the same access as everybody else? This book was $15. You buy it once, and apparently it's supposed to like take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Even though that he says that's not the case, you can feel like that's what he's... I think you can feel that's what he's trying to do with it. I feel like there could be like a a relationship book, but not necessarily splitting it between mm. like these are things that would be good if you have these problems, but like not yeah. pinning it on one person versus the other. Uh, like almost just a generalization of like this is if this is the issue in the relationship, these are problems to fix it, but not saying because you're a woman you're going to react to it this way. And the man said like that Mm. might not be the case at all. And then you're just getting bad information. I feel like this book probably helped make more books like this. Like there wasn't as many before this book. And then after this book, there were a lot more. And I think there's a lot more options that are even more specific. Kind of like you, you said, you know what I mean? Because this book probably helped spawn a lot more different types of self-help books and relationship books. No, I think you're absolutely right because before this, yes, there were lots of books on relationships and marriages and advice, but they weren't franchised. Yeah. I mean, you maybe had an author that people would go and buy like a Dr. Joyce Brothers or Dr. Ruth Westheimer, like one of those. But the fact that it's a franchise with a men are from boom. That's going to always be the branding of the label. Yeah, because then you have things like, remember, Chicken, chicken Soup I for the Soul. I was just going to say Chicken Soup. Yeah, this this kind of was a precursor for the Chicken Soup series. But realizing that you could ge- you could generalize self-help. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's just advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's just advice. But then the question, I, I think where it sort of runs out of steam and where I think it sort of has like tapered off if there's a fall to these relationship books is, is now it's not about the other person anymore. It's about fixing yourself before you even attempt to like even be with another person mm-hmm. so i think that's also a societal change that's happened. what does rupaul say how, how are you gonna love yourself if you can't love anybody how else how you gonna love someone else if you can't love yourself that too can yeah, i get an amen? amen that's the only part i know <laughs> now let's dance that's all I know. <laughs> that's then, then everyone dances and goes home let me ask you this is my last question for both of you if there was a relationship that people see on like television or movies that you really love and you're like, yeah, that's that's the perfect relationship, what would it be? I have three off the top of my head. Oh my God, amazing. What was it? What are they? A combo of all, all of them. And this just is for the on-screen TV part. Yeah. So Lucy and Ricky. Nice. Ricardo. A little bit of Dan and Roseanne Connor. Yeah. And then a little bit of Coach and Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. That's fantastic. Because they have a very respectful relationship, I will say. <laughs> Lucy and Ricky could always laugh. They could always laugh. As could Dan and As Roseanne. As could Dan and That's Roseanne. That's a humor, isn't Dan it? Dan and Roseanne. If I had to choose one, that would probably be my overall. Dan and Roseanne. Dan and Roseanne Connor. They are, oh. Before the Connor show. Like the sure. original... That's I, all I know. So I don't I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> a, I just saw Roseanne. I didn't see anything else. I didn't even know she had a Twitter. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sammy and Ronnie from... Uh, Jersey Shore. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, not to piggyback, but probably, I mean, Dan and Roseanne are just, they're like the best. They, I don't know. You just, they can laugh. They can, you know, fight and get over it. And, you know, 
it's, I don't know. I feel like they cope in a way that Ray yeah, yes. and I are familiar yes. with. Yeah. All right. Well, Emily, I'm so happy that you could join us today for this. This was like fan fulfillment. Thank you so much for are having you, me. No, thank you for being here. And thanks for offering a Venu- Venusian, was it a Venusian point of yeah, view? Yeah, Venusian. Venusian point of view to all of this. And also, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I put up some new Venusian blinds. Oh so God. that's pretty cool. Help me. <laughs> don't forget, if you go on to Tinder, Emily's profile name is... I hate Ray. Everybody hates Raymond. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Men are from Mars, but hers is from the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Mark Schroeder, did you read Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? I didn't know, but I'm aware of it. Did your parents it. have it anywhere no, in the house? Uh, no, if it wasn't a historical autobiography, it wasn't. <laughs> Are you looking for ways to improve your relationship? Always. Well, I have something for you. <gasps> is it a book? A yes. book? Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, that means we're three men, aren't we? So we must be Martians. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We enter from Mars. So naturally, Ray, Rob, you must know all about the red planet, right? Just hanging out right next door to us in our solar system, you two Martians. So I'm a Martian. We're going to prove exactly how much you two know about Mars in a little game called Know Your Neighbor. Oh. It's right there. It's right up there in the sky. Uh, Are you really good in science, by the way? No. I was not. I'm not good at knowing my neighbors either. Okay, here we go. You guys are working together on this because you're you're common Martians, right? You're alien friends. I'm going to read you 10 clues. You're going to use your combined extraterrestrial patriarchal knowledge because you're men. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> to answer these questions correctly. If you get all of them right, we'll know that you are legit Martians. You get more than three wrong, we're going to dissect you both and find out where the hell you're really from. Oh, boy. All right, so let's go. True or false? See, we're starting binary. Nice and easy for you. There is no binary. Mars. Oh, no. Okay. Wow, you're very progressive men from Mars. Uh, (laughs) Mars is home to the highest mountain in our solar system. True or false? In our solar system. That would mean higher than Everest. We're going to say false. False. That is true. It's true. Olympus Mons is 16 miles high making it three times the height of Mount how Everest. They, how do they know that? They sent a rover with a tape measure. What the fuck is the rover going to do? They tape measure it up. All right, that's one down, guys. Here we go. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Hard. Okay. Number two. Despite the misleading title of this 1953 film, this comedy duo never actually go to Mars in the film. Abbott and Costello? Oh. Oh, no, no, Martin and Lewis. Oh, is it? Martin and Lewis go to Mars? Sure. I don't know. It's up to you. Oh, I think they did go to Mars, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, but they don't me? end up in Mars. Yeah, okay, let's no, say Hold on that. one second. If, if we get it wrong, can you react like Lou Costello? It is correct. Oh. It is right. correct. It's a- <laughs> is correct. Oh, <laughs> disappointed. The 1938 radio broadcast of War of the Worlds kicked into gear with a fake news bulletin about a meteorite crash landing in which state? New Jersey. That is correct. That was Grover's Mill, New Jersey. All crazy shit starts in New Jersey. Forrest Mars Sr., son of the Mars Company founder, copied the idea for this candy from British Smarties, which he saw British troops eating during the Spanish Civil War. Would it be M and M's? M and M's. That is correct. Number five, who played the President of the United States in the 1996 Tim Burton film Mars Attacks? Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. That was Jack Nicholson. I didn't know if that you'd be that on top of that movie. Okay, he loves it. Okay, num- number six. Mars is named after the Roman god of what? War? Fucking. What's it going to be, boys? War. War is correct. Number seven. 
This extraterrestrial cartoon character, first introduced in 1948, went unnamed for over 30 years. Marvin the Martian? That is correct. He waited 30 years for the name Marvin? <laughs> yeah, that's a long that's time to sad. wait for Marvin. Oh, I'm finally going to get a name. I happen something cool and sexy. Marvin. <laughs> Number eight. This Mars-set sci-fi 90s hit was based on the Philip K. Dick 1966 short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Total Recall. Total Recall is correct. Oh, wow. Is correct. Well, you guys are killing it. Number nine, Mars has two moons, Deimos, and this moon named after the Greek god of fear. Deles. It is not Deles. It is Phobos. Phobos. Oh, that makes the sense. Greek like god pho- of fear. Uh, like, like phobia? phobia? Like uh, how you're homophobic, Rob. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Maybe. You know, um. Last question. How many Marses would you need to fill the volume of Earth? So if you had to take, a, take Marses and open the Earth, crack the Earth open, and just stuff Marses in to fill the space of an Earth... How many Marses would you need? One and two, or two and two thirds. Six. You just need six. You need six. Yeah. It's a pretty small. It's a small little. I didn't know it was that it's small. It's a small well, I, little I thing. I saw a do it yourself on YouTube. He only used three. <laughs> oh, you can, well, if he wasn't using his space efficiently. You have to use space. The final space frontier. Space efficiently. efficiently. Well, Martians, you are. That's three wrong. I, I believe you still know a lot. It's common that you wouldn't know that the highest mountain in our solar system We've is never gone. been. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes a lot of money to go for a trip. You know everything about Jack Nicholson. You knew about war, Marvin the Martian, Total Recall, Phobos. You'll learn about that moon, and you got to stuff yourself in the Earth more. Wow. Okay. Thanks for that, Mark. You're very welcome. Hopefully, Elon Musk will get us up there at some point. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. He's spending his money real smart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's doing real good. Anyway, if you want to follow us, uh, where can they find us, Rob? On uh, Instagram at This Was a Thing Pod, website www.thiswasathing.com, and also Patreon.com. Patreon. Give us some money. And if you read Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus, and if it helped you, that's amazing. And a big thanks to Emily for joining us today. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. It's, Emily's not in the room anymore. Oh. She uh, She's actually packing and throwing the book at Ray. <laughs> Can you hear the truck backing up in the mic? Can you get that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Bye, Emily. <laughs> Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cutcut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really like what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 